Welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, I'm your host, Caleb. We've got Adam, we have Rhiannon, and we are back for a second week in a row, because we got Marvel content a second week in a row. How are you guys doing this weekend? It was a long week. I mean, even though there was a holiday, that was a long week. Um, so I'm excited that it's over. Do you get those kinds of holidays off, Adam? Like, do they do they give you a break for, uh, like, Martin Luther King Day? or? We don't get Christmas and Thanksgiving off, man. No, it's it's always, the news has to be there. I mean, look at this more like someone just, Larry King died this morning, man. The news is always happening. Man, I'm, I am glad you guys are dedicated to bringing us the comic book news. 24-7 there's huge Taco Bell news this week, too. Last night, Taco Bell's coming out with, like, a chicken sandwich. Can you believe that? I was joking about that. Me and another uh, writer, Charlie Ridgely, were joking about this on Slack. We're like, man, Taco Bell's going to come out with a chicken sandwich because everyone's doing it. And then two weeks later, they, they announced they're working on something with fast food fried chicken. Is there anything that's going to be, like, remotely Mexican about their chicken sandwich? But they're they're slowly moving away from that. I mean, they brought back their nacho fries, which are just... With Dorito seasoning. I was about to say, my guess would be that the chicken sandwich will have nacho cheese on top. Oh. Their nacho cheese... <laughs> that's my guess. Why do you say that? That sounds amazing. I, I'm not... Their nacho cheese kind of makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, Taco Bell kind of makes me sick to my stomach. If you're listening to Taco Bell, I love I you. I love Taco Bell. I love Taco Bell, too. But i that's the thing about Taco Bell. The tacos aren't necessarily Mexican, you know? If, if, <laughs> if I would guess, they're probably doing like a fried chicken, you know, like a chicken popper or a crunch wrap or something. I really like the, uh, was it called the naked taco or it was just like a, a slab of fried chicken that had taco toppings inside? Yeah. Of? Yeah. The na- chicken, naked chicken chalupa. Yeah. Those are good. I like those. Yeah. So you guys know I'm buying an apartment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and like in New York, ev- evidently, like if there's going to be multiple order, um, multiple offers on a place and all that, you write like a letter. My realtor encouraged me to write a letter. You know, why do you want this place? Why do you like it? Do you like the neighborhood and all this? And there's a taco shop, like a little ways around the corner. Well, one is directly over a bakery. It's across from like a nail salon that does the dollar a minute massages. And there's a taco shop on the corner. So like I wrote, you know, my letter, like, you know, that those were three of the big things that I really liked about the neighborhood. So I'm joking with everybody that I'm getting this apartment because I like tacos. Like they chose me to buy it because I like tacos. So you never know where your love of tacos will take you. I have friends that got a house kind of with a letter like that. Like they're in a very competitive bidding situation and they just wrote like this flowery letter. And it was true for them about how much they loved the neighborhood and wanted to stay here and raise their kids here and, you know, be involved with the community, which was true. They're, they're friends with ours that work with us and the work we do. And, um, and they think they got it the, the, them the house. Like they're pretty sure they were at the highest bidder, but that letter like made the sellers feel better about keeping them than somebody else. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the, I mean, I don't know if my realtor was just blowing smoke up my butt to make me feel good about writing the letter, but he said, I mean, there were higher offers, so I did get it based on something and he said the letter helped i also put stuff in there about my grandmother so and it's an estate sale the money i'm going to spend at that taco shop 
by the end of this year is more than they could ever get in a PPP loan. <laughs> Single-handedly stimulating the economy of Manhattan. Yes. yes, just one taco at a time. This is the reason to listen to our show. You're getting to learn about New York real estate and uh, Taco Bell scoops all here in the first four and a half minutes. So that's what makes us special. You know, we've been doing this for years, by the way. I got paperwork that uh, says this is our fourth year doing this as an official oh. legit LLC. That means it's five and a half years that we've been doing it, period, right? It's wow. gotta be. Wow. Dude. There's listeners at home going, yep, it's been a lot of episodes we got this one through. <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone stuck through all five years, to be this honest. This is all Caleb. But... This is all Caleb. Like, Adam and I would have quit three and three quarter years yeah. ago. <laughs> but Caleb Pretty holds much. us together. <laughs> I always take that a little bit as a compliment and a little bit like, yeah, I would have given, you know, like, I don't enjoy it that much, but he keeps bugging us about no, it. <laughs> I, I enjoy it. Like, I enjoy Super Ladies. Actually, Super Ladies podcast, which I did before we ever did this. There's two whole episodes recorded on my computer that I've just never uploaded. Like, it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's just you. There's a lot of work into making it there is get a lot out of there. It's funny. The, the dumbest thing is that I hate the uploading, actually. You're right. Like, it's not even mm-hmm. the editing. The editing's okay. It's a little bit creative. I enjoy listening back to the show a little bit. It's when I've done all that work and I've encoded it as an MP3. And it's dumb because it's only four minutes of work. But I'm like, oh, I have to log into the back end of the website. And then I have to upload it. And then I have to change the link. And then I got to get a picture. Like, the uploading is my very least favorite part of the whole thing. (laughs) I, I totally get it and totally appreciate that you do it every week. Oh, well. We used to offer to help, but... <laughs> nah, not anymore. It's yours, man. All you. It, it's good. I've learned years ago that if I use my off time or, like, hobby time to do something productive, I'm just a much happier person than doing something that doesn't have a product at the end. And so, like, my hard drive with all of our episodes on it gives me a sense of accomplishment that makes the hobby more enjoyable, so... All right, let's get into Thor, Love, and Thunder. So we've seen that most of the staff, staff, cast of that movie is showing up to Australia, which is probably great for them because I think there's a whole lot less COVID in Australia than there is here. And um, we've got, um, uh, not only do we have Chris Hemsworth and that bunch there, but we're seeing a lot of the Guardians people. Uh, Kieran Gillen uh, made clear that she was going to be in the movie, which is good because we're just kind of, questioning what happened to nebula 2.0 after endgame uh and also there's news that matt damon is there and we have no idea if he's just doing another cameo as as guardian actor matt damon or if they're somehow going to turn that role into something else uh do you guys want to just see him as a continuation of that cameo or would you like to see him do something else so the thing that got me with this is he flat out told a paper he's going to be there for months. Like how he, he told the Daily Mail or whatever that he's making Australia his home for the next months while he films. So I'm assuming it's more than a cameo. One interesting theory I heard was that he's actually Balder and Loki was making Balder act in his plays. 
Is there brothers or half brothers or step brothers or whatever? I'm not sure what I think about Matt Damon as you know the Asgardian god Balder. Um, but at some is that the character that some people were trying to shoehorn Owen Wilson into when he first got cast in Loki? Maybe I don't know. I mean, I know they. There's been concept art and the visual development people have uploaded like art of Balder before. Um, like they were going to put him in Thor: The Dark World, I think, but they eventually took him out. Um, so they wanted to do something with the character, but I don't know that. It always comes back to our the Civil War comparison, right? You know, I mean, we have Guardians in here. So, I mean, I don't expect Matt Damon to have, like, a starring role the way it is. Maybe he's, like, a ward of Gore the God Butcher. Can you believe Christian Bell's going to play Gore the God Butcher, you know? If they got him to don, like, a CGI suit, um, what are they going to do with Matt Damon? Who knows? You know, the checkbook talks pretty heavily, so maybe he's going to be, like, better Ray Bill or something, which would be amazing. Rhiannon, do you have Matt Damon thoughts? Um, I know, but I, I mean, I do hope that it's, it's exciting that he might be a part of this. Like, uh, I don't know. All of this movement is just exciting, but, um, I would be excited to see Matt Damon in a bigger role. I just have no thoughts on who it is. I don't know. I think we, I realized doing this podcast that like people have different opinions about how big or not big of an actor someone is. But to me, Matt Damon is a significant get. Like, it's a much bigger deal than Ethan Hawke if they got Matt Damon to be in a movie. Agreed. I'd agree with that. Oh my god, it's Jason Bourne. I mean, it's... Yeah, Damon's a huge get. That's the thing. Maybe it is just a cameo and he's just moving down there because quarantine's a pain in the ass, but... I mean, or that he's doing something else completely unrelated. And doing a little Thor first. It really does beg to me the question, too, of, like, how serious a role the Guardians have. Because I think we kind of felt like there was going to be a scene at the beginning where it's going to be like, oh, hey, you've been hanging out with us. Go have a fun adventure. We'll see you later. Like, it was going to just be a quick Guardians deal. But flying in all of those people to Australia and going through the quarantine rules and stuff, like, I just feel like the COVID stuff means that Chris Pratt and Karen uh, Karen Gillan and all these other people showing up for a role, if it's just one day on set and I'm Pratt, I'm kind of annoyed, I guess, unless I'm getting paid enough, that they're making me go across the world and quarantining two weeks for a day on set. So it makes me feel like there's going to be a bigger Guardians role in this movie than I thought there would be. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I, is, aren't airplane tickets the cheapest they've ever been? You know, I mean, you just gotta... Unless you're Natalie Portman and fly your own jet over there. Like I was about to say, the cost of the ticket isn't really the expense in any of those situations. It's, you know, the time. I mean, I would say two weeks of any of those actors' times. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they don't have a lot of stuff on their plate right now. But I'm sure Australia has a pretty strict quarantine. Um that requires some amount of doing nothing and that that time is what's the most expensive part. It could all be a red herring too, right? Cause I mean, it would be kind of like the Yondu situation on steroids a little bit. 
how they had Rooker post the picture or whatever. Yeah, for yeah. people who don't know, Michael Rooker was literally flown to Atlanta during Infinity War and went to a Starbucks and took a photo and put it on his Instagram purely for the purpose of obscuring the fact that he would be dying in Guardians 2. Right. <laughs> Yeah, he had like a Infinity War hat on, yeah. or some Avengers hat, or something, and another. One. So I don't. I would assume the Guardians are in there, but the, again, we we talk about just how massive these movies are going forward, right? I mean, Thor's going to be huge. I mean, I think Shang Chi, Shang Chi is going to be much bigger than we thought it was going to be. I mean, Eternals is probably going to be huge. Um, brain. Oh, Doctor Strange two, Spider Man three. I mean, it gets. It almost seems like it gets bigger as the it goes on because we're just to that point, you know. I mean, we've gotten everyone's origins, you know, besides any new characters, and um, it's all pure comic booky goodness now. Well, and that kind of brings me back to the only other thing I was going to say about all this is, uh, it's just a reminder of how much Marvel has done. Like at this point, Black Widow and Eternals, you would assume, is finished. Shang-Chi probably they're finishing up a little bit of post-production and special effects, but it's pretty close to finished. They've already shot decent chunks of Spider-Man Homecoming 3. They're already filming Doctor Strange 2. And now here they're starting a sixth movie that we haven't seen. It's just bizarre to think that Kevin Feige has got, you know, whatever, four full movies and another couple half movies you know, just sitting, hanging out on his hard drive, just waiting for us to see him. I mean, Black Widow's the only uh, movie that hasn't been delayed, I think. One of the only movies. I mean, most other spring movies have already been pushed back, so I'd anticipate news on that. Shortly, I have no idea what they're waiting for. Um, like we talked last week, contract negotiations or... Or maybe they're not something. pushing it? Yeah. I mean, maybe there's just a point where they have to get these movies out. Well, and like you look at something like uh, Raya the Last Dragon, which is the next Disney animated movie, uh, like Disney Animated Studios movie. I realize that for for a lot of people, it's not like a household name like Black Widow. But those movies can be giant movies for Disney. When you look at a Frozen or a Tangled or even a, a Big Hero 6 or a Zootopia Moana like these are all movies that Disney makes a lot of money on particularly because they run for a very long time and if they put it at the right time near spring break which Raya is scheduled for you know you take your kids to see it two or three times because you're just trying to burn a day and so the fact that they're putting that one on the premium access suggests that Disney to me it's as big or bigger of a deal than Soul because uh, you know, Pixar can be a little bit hit and miss with those things. It's hard to tell because Onward was a, a miss a little bit, but that was really weirdly positioned because of the because um, of COVID. But I, I, I still think, like I said last week, that Black Widow's delay would mean too much of a headache for other things that Marvel cares about. So, yeah, who like, are they worried about theaters? I mean, that's probably the only person that they're worrying about at this point. I mean, they'll make probably just as much money on Premiere Access, if not more, than they would with a wide May release at this point. You know, I really struggle to figure out what people are thinking, though, because 
you know, HBO Max made the decision to go ahead and release their stuff in cinemas and HBO Max. And some people took that as an indication that there's a way to make money off these. But I'm seeing other commentators that are like, no, that's just AT&T not having any freaking clue what they're doing. And if you look at the fact that Sony and Paramount and all these other big studios are refusing to release anything. James Bond got pushed again. We just talked about Morbius getting pushed again. Like, it may be the AT&Ts are the dummies that are trying something that's not going to work. In which case, it may be that Disney is trying to preserve their, their bottom line, you know? Right, but HBO Max hasn't introduced a premium model either. Right. So they've they're placing their own ceiling over. I mean, there was talks with MGM did have talks with Apple and Netflix about No Time to Die. So I mean, that would have been the huge. Sale. I mean, they've thought about selling Bond for years now. I mean, it's probably going to happen at some point. I also love the irony that No Time to Die is the movie that has had more time to die than any other movie. <laughs> It's had plenty of time. It's the only move that keeps getting done, and it—that's the thing. I mean, if no time—if it comes to October and no time to die gets delayed again, we're going to have even more flipping. I hope we're not delaying it again. But that's been the the catalyst every single time. The second MGM bumps no time to die, instantly everyone's like, "Oh, we already decided what we're going to do. Might as well send press send up the press release. Just wait for no time to die." And I mean, it's interesting. Everything we're hearing is that. Um, the president's 100 million vaccine plan is probably going to be made by the first 100 days, which means before Black Widow comes out, we'll have, you know, whatever, 50 million people totally vaccinated. It's not everybody, but it's, what, a seventh of the population or whatever. I mean, it's like a third of America or a fourth of America. Well, it depends on if you're, because cons- if it's, if it's only 50 million people, it's only a seventh. Oh. But if it's a hundred million oh. people, it would be about a little less than a third. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but then it comes back to consumer confidence. Like, even with if vaccinations, you know, even if you get vaccinated, do you feel comfortable going to a comic convention in twenty twenty one? This close there? Oh yeah, you do. If I get a vaccine, no. Way. You know, you got to wait two weeks, I guess, for it to kick in. Two weeks after my second dose. I will be in a movie theater, you know. I won't be eating popcorn off I'll the floor. I'll go to a movie because theater. that's always gross. But, you know, like. Right. I would be on the New York Comic Con floor with everybody. So I'm ready. Bring it. Yeah. I'm ready for the vaccine. And I, I, I will probably have very little hesitancy to try to get back to before times. Though I realize before times will not exist. But I'm the vaccine, man. If you had the right courage, it'll be like before times, except for less busy, you know? Exactly. (laughs) That's why I'm like, I want to go to those 2021 cons, because I know there's going to be about half the people there. It's going to be the best time. You guys, I went to the first Mardi Gras after Hurricane Katrina, and there was, you know, maybe like a tenth, even, probably like more like a twentieth of the normal number of people and it was like the best Mardi Gras ever on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Like a little part. Yeah, no, I'm saying. Yes, I want to go to all the 2021 cons. So you're saying uh, San Diego this year is 
Hall H line is going to be cut in half. Maybe. I I imagine everybody will be in Hall H, and you'll be able to just like dance on the sales floor. You know the the con hall floor. We took the kids to DC last summer, um, and you know it was like the low point of. Well, at least here in Rhode Island, it was the low point. I know other places were surging a little bit. But we just, you know, we masked up and we took we went to all the outdoor monuments, which were fun because, you know, they're outside, they're safe, nobody else was around. It was the most enjoyable DC experience I've ever had. Because usually, like, the Lincoln Memorial is pretty busy and you're, rough, you know, pushing shoulders against other people. Nobody was there. It was just like yeah. we had the mall to ourselves. So it was, it was pretty fun. Yeah. I'm all about going to places... Right after a disaster. Because <laughs> the kind of... <laughs> you, it's almost like you kind of get paid Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I've had that opportunity. I recommend others do the same. You like it but so not... much, you literally made it your job. <laughs> yeah. Like, I recommend others do the same, but not a whole bunch of others. Because, you know, that kind of... Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, we don't have too much other news. We did get some Spider-Man set photos that um, kind of like, uh, they always do this. They make like fake billboards or fake like posters that are in the backgrounds on city scenes. And so they've kind of revealed that there's going to be a whole environment around like conspiracy theories and people who are like Mysterio truthers and people who are supporting Spider-Man. Um, it's not much to talk about. I, I do kind of like the um idea like i think it's kind of clever given the uh, outsized role of conspiracy theories on our world in the last like year or two the idea that like that movie would delve into mysterio conspiracy theories makes sense and i think it's kind of just an interesting flavor to that movie also it looks like it's going to be a christmas movie so any thoughts on either of those the mcu officially has q and it's stupid as hell. Why would they bring Q into the MCU? No. Well, I mean, it goes to the land. I mean, God bless production designers, man. Production designers and their teams put so much flipping work into this stuff for something you'll see in passing or you won't even see at all. You know? Um, we saw that with, like, the Batman this year. They just, to make Gotham, they just printed up thousands of flyers and threw them about a Chicago street. It's not like you're going to read any of those damn flyers, you know, but it's just part of the job. So currently Spider-Man 3 is supposed to come out in December of 2021, right? That's right. So it was not moved in the flurry of moving things this week. The only Sony movie not to be moved. So that's what I keep thinking that Christmas theme and them not moving it. Does this mean that maybe Spider-Man is something that needs to stay right where it is, that it's going to be a quote-unquote Christmas movie, and therefore that's what's holding everything in this order? Like, Black Widow maybe has to come out so that things happen that need to happen before Spider-Man 3? I would assume so. I'm going to the length to even say that it probably has almost a Christmas name as well. Mm -hmm. Home for Christmas? Home for the holidays, yeah, something like that. Home for the holidays. Holidays, right. I'm I'm in that camp, so it makes sense. It does. So it does. it's interesting. I do buy the argument that the reason that Sony moved everything else except for it because they moved Uncharted, they moved Morbius, and they moved James Bond, and they sold the Lord. 
they said, we're not even doing this Lord Miller movie. We'll sell it. Right. So all of that stuff seems to argue for me that this movie is definitely destined to come out on time because I don't think it's a coincidence. The one movie they're doing with Marvel studios is the one movie that they're not moving. Um, the flip side of that is the argument that because it's a holiday movie, it's got to come out at Christmas. I just remember Iron Man three coming out in May and like nobody really like, I never heard anybody go, Oh, it's so dumb that they put this out in May since it's a Christmas movie. Like that didn't bother anyone. So, but strange is February. Yeah. So there's not that much leeway to delay that. And it always comes back to the, interconnected storytelling you know wandavision's good because wandavision will tie into spider-man but there's plenty of time between that you know but how connected is like falcon and winter soldier and black widow connected somehow or hawkeye and black widow connected because hawkeye's christmas too but hawkeye will come out uh other news we had last thing i've got uh she hulk did uh cast ginger gonzaga uh to play a major role i believe she's supposed to be um she-Hulk's best friend is what I thought I read. Um, I'm not sure if that's true. Um, but yeah, so another cast member for She-Hulk. I, I got really excited for about 10 minutes when somebody speculated that it could be Kirsten Dunst. But it turns out there is a She-Hulk best friend in the comics that's not Kirsten. Yeah. Well, that was immediately my thought. Like, I'm trying to remember. I know in the comics, like, Jessica Jones and, um, is that who you're talking about? Kristen Ritter? No, no. Um, not Kirsten. Did I say Kirsten? I said Kirsten Dunst. Um, there's, there's a character in the comics, Kirsten, um, Kirsten Dunst, an actress. Um, Kirsten... Uh, anyways, I was like, Mary Daredevil. Jane Watson is going to be She-Hulk's best friend. Was, that multiverse a, is blowing she up. She was a character in Daredevil. Okay, um, she was she was uh, like his girlfriend that he moved to San Francisco with that wasn't Black Widow. Um, she, the whole the all of the whole like storyline where he has the sweater that says "I'm not Daredevil" that saved Daredevil mocked up for their shirts. Um, that was all like his storyline with her. Um, and she's another attorney in New York and everything. So, yeah, she's somebody that could pop up in She-Hulk if we're going to have a bunch of attorneys there. Now, I was just thinking about there's this interconnection between, I always forget, I want to say it's like She-Hulk and Jessica Jones and Captain Marvel and Spider-Woman, like those comics, some of those characters mix and mingle. Um Charles Murphy is saying that their thought is that it either will be Jill Stevens or Angie Huang, um, or some sort of combo of those characters from the comics. I don't know either of those people, but that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know the side characters in She-Hulk that well. I do think this show is going to swing into like, I don't know, like a Ally McBeal or Sex in the City kind of vibe, probably stronger than we even assume. Like, I don't think we realized how sitcom-y WandaVision was really going to be. And it suggests to me that they are willing to go probably some places with She-Hulk that are going to be, uh, it's going to just make 
some of the the man babies really cry that it's going to be like i think it's gonna be really like a female um demo focused kind of show in a way we've never seen from marvel but i could be wrong i i think i've really liked i've heard the ellie mcbeal thing um a lot of people saying that and i really like that idea yeah for anybody that remembers Ally McBeal, I think like Adam probably wasn't even born yet when it was on. Yeah, I don't. Well, and I'm not Allie even like McBeal exaggerating. Sounds like an old vintage yeah, that, '80s sitcom that was black and white or something. It was '90s, and we had color in the '80s. Was there uh, starring? Very nice. Um, Seriously, Allie my Mc... daughter has been doing that to me. Like we watch <laughs> Dick Van Dyke, and she's like, "Okay, so do you remember this from when you were a kid, Dad?" And I'm like. Dude, it's in black and white. What are you talking about? <laughs> and the, well, the, I mean, I do that too, though. Like, even WandaVision, we're in the 70s, I guess. And I'm like, and it's in color? They had color in the 70s? On like, I, I don't know. I, I, I get, History's weird. Time is weird. I always but, uh, joke about it because, like, every roadside motel in this area, every they haven't updated their signs in years. So it always says color TV. As, like, one of the amenities. <laughs> Every single roadside motel in this area has it, so. I love it. Color TV. Come on. Give us 20 bucks a night and you get color TV. And probably. Free HBO? Probably free HBO and a bunch of free other stuff you don't want. <laughs> so, I mean, Ellie McBeal was a quirky attorney show. I never want another show to be quite that quirky. But, um, but like the first couple seasons were fun. I had Robert Downey Jr. in it, um, back in the before day. So I used to watch it with my college roommate and we loved watching Robert Downey Jr. on Allie McBeal. And then like one day she was like, he's not going to be on Allie McBeal anymore. And I was like, what happened? And, and she was like, he was found in a hotel room with crystal meth. And I was like, who's that? And I was like, oh, you're so innocent. How did you guys get the, the origin scoops back story of how Rhiannon learned what crystal meth is? <laughs> I didn't. Well, no, yeah, that's the time I learned it, yes. Is that when you actually that's... had to, like, buy Variety Magazine to get the scoops? No, it was on the internet. Allie McBeal, it, there was something circulating the internet this week that, like, it's the first time there really was, like, a meme-ish thing from the internet that made it into a TV show with the dancing baby. Like, there's this dancing baby gif that she would randomly see in the room, like, hallucinating. Um, but it was, it was like, one of the first internet-related type things. I wonder what like it was like to live before the internet. Encyclopedias and stuff. I remember it a little bit, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm that exilineal that like rode both lines. Like I grew up without it, but then it was there when I got to college. So. Yeah, I would say we got pretty regular access to internet. Like I don't know, third grade for me, something like that. So, I remember as a really little kid when I was into baseball. I still remember wanting to buy newspapers so i could read up about who had won the baseball game the night before and like look at the box score and the standings and stuff back in the four days when we would drink zima and read tv guide paper 
version. In those days, I was not half old enough to buy Zima, but yes. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> there was Zima when I was in college, but we didn't have... Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I grew up without the internet. All right, so we'll start... <laughs> we'll go from memory lane to uh, a retro TV show. We've got WandaVision, episode three. Uh, this one was the 70s Brady Bunch kind of episode. Uh, what did you guys think about this episode? I feel like this episode was laying breadcrumbs and, like, trying... I, I, I feel like this is an episode where they spent the whole episode talking about there being a monster in the closet and then never opened the closet door. It just sort of felt unfulfilling to me. Though, I mean, we got the twins. We certainly got the twins. See, that's the thing. Like last week, I said there wasn't enough mystery, and then we went on for an hour and talked about the the show's mysteries. I don't know. I'm getting kind of the same vibes this week. I mean, we could we could talk about it at length, but I I don't know if it's working week to week for me. I don't know. I mean, I love the ending. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's pretty apparent that Wanda is is not well um for whatever reason but i mean it just almost feels hollow in that like after we get the big reveal of who's the puppet master you know what what happens you know i love the ending like the last shot with daydream believer that was incredible I'm a sucker for a good soundtrack or a good uh, song placement. Anything that's not Rock and Roll Part 2 from The Joker, which is the worst needle drop ever. That's, yeah. But I don't know, you know. I feel like I was right, too, about, like, she took over a town and, like, kind of put a dome over it. Like, I'm feeling more and more Mm -hmm. like that's what's actually happening here. I'm still not convinced. Cause, cause, what's her name flew through the air, but you can't see through the the wall. Geraldine got kicked out of the town. Yeah, but you didn't see her come like on the other side of the wall. Like you saw her come through the wall, but you didn't see her on the other side of the quote unquote glass moving towards the wall. Smell what I'm stepping in? I mean, the the only thing to me is there is. It seems like in the real world, there is a Westview town mm-hmm. sign. Right. That's not something Wanda created. Like, that's there, which suggests that there is a town that's behind that wall. And we got the, uh, not Easter eggs, but the on-the-nose lines from Agnes. That was her only line of the whole episode, I think. Was So they're self-aware of what their purpose is. Kind of. In some way. In some way they're self-aware. You know. Or at least Agnes and her are. And that's the thing. Like, okay, we set it up. Those first two episodes, we've seen what the world is. We've gotten to know the characters. This one, they're giving us a little bit about the mystery. Like, I really hope in the next episode we just get into it. In some regard. And it's not more setting things up. But. Yeah, I think the... The twins really made things a little weird for this episode in that people who are not comic readers, someone who's just a fan watching, the whole weirdness of her being pregnant and then developing through the pregnancy quickly and then like 
having the kids and then there's two of them and even the jokes about Tom, you know, we're going to name him Tommy or we're going to name him Billy. Like all of that stuff as a comic reader for me was kind of like, Oh, well this is cute, but we know she's going to have twins and we know that they're going to be had abnormally. And we know that there is something wrong about how they came into existence and we knew what their names were going to be. Like, I think all of that stuff to me, having the comic knowledge I had, I think it would have been more like, what? If I didn't know those things going into it. And I mean, that's what we've seen so far. I haven't looked through the credits or whatever again for Easter eggs. I'm sure there's plenty, but I mean, with the, like with the commercials and, and with everything we've gotten so far, I mean, we've seen it's, it's very much a show based on pointers and Easter eggs and teases of what could, and then they give vision, apparently wizard powers that looked almost shockingly like Jessica Jones' wizard, at least on an effects level. I saw somebody who suggested that it's that Vision is a little bit a composite of both Vision and her brother, and so she's given him super speed like her brother had because he's like this composite of her of her um, her her trauma. And that's kind of I mean like I've just assumed that everything that we're seeing here. Okay, my mental thought of what we're seeing here is that Wanda's basically just endured all of this trauma and is unconscious in the real world in some way, you know, naturally or unnaturally, like somebody has her and has her unconscious or she's just like gone into this meditative state or whatever. And she's created this mythical world that is everything that she wants. And yeah, like vision doesn't really exist there. It's her mental, you know, creation of vision and everybody there is whatever. And that somehow she accidentally really trapped this town and you have some real people being affected and also somehow is broadcasting it and everybody's sort of seeing what's going on, but she's set up all these barriers. Um, so anyways, all of that to say, I agree with the, the vision is just sort of a mix of vision and her brother. And where I thought the show really succeeded, and I, I don't want to criticize it because I get the feeling of it's being a little slow, but I also think that they're picking moments to be super poignant and then pull back. like, And it allows those moments to really have punch. So that moment where she thinks about her brother and she realizes her brother is dead and she sings this Sokovian lullaby, like she goes from like Elizabeth olsen sitcom star to like someone who's really dealing with a deep amount of pain and she does it very masterfully and to me it's very powerful for the like 30 seconds they go to it and then they pull out and i think for me it's that's working okay i'm kind of waiting for elizabeth olsen to get like a show-stopping moment where she just fully acknowledges like there's just these little hints like the no in episode two or um, what did you say about my brother? Like, I think there's going to be a scene where she just unleashes her like rage and sorrow about everything that's happened to her that people are going to be like, Oh, Emmy award nomination, Elizabeth Olsen. Like, I think it's coming and I think it's going to be very good. And I think what will be really interesting is they're setting us up to think she is being manipulated I really think we might be heading to a moment, though, where they real they reveal the big bad guy, whether it be Mephisto or Nightmare or whoever. 
And they're like, oh, you've been, you've been, you know, being used by him. And she looks at the camera and she's like, no, I wanted all of this. I'm tired of not getting my way. And you just like, your stomach falls to the floor. You're like, oh, she's in a bad spot. <laughs> Once the reveal comes, I mean, I think you'll probably see plenty of think pieces. There's probably already think pieces out there on the internet about how. So that moment you're talking about is, I mean, it's. I don't think it could be written, directed, or performed any better. The, would you say or whatever moment? But I mean, people are going to point back to that and say that's the moment she became Scarlet Witch. I would assume, you know, unless there's some big reveal in her new suit where she rips someone to shreds and says, "Can you imagine if like the last line of her show is no more something? It's probably not going to be mutants." But, like, no more Westview or no more whatever. I mean, that's probably going to be... It'll break Twitter. Um, It's already become a meme. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. You know, it's just... There's not much to talk about, except it's Marvel. So, by nature, we talk about it and dissect it, you know? But, I mean, on a plot level, what... What can we discuss that we haven't? I mean, swords there. We see them a little bit. I mean, the only other thing I feel we haven't talked about. We talked about um, her her interaction with Geraldine. But there was that moment also with Vision where he starts to question everything. All right. And it just glitches back to starting the conversation over. Um, Damn which, it, my internet which, went out again. You know, which which to me was slightly different than in the previous episode where she reacted and you could tell she was turning back, you know, where she saw the beekeeper and, and, and rewound. This was just like an immediate, like, oops, no, we're not going down that thought process. Yeah. Oh, one of the things I enjoy is that I do feel there's a, a degree of ambiguity about most everyone. Like, I think Vision is pretty firmly a positive, good character. And I think that whatever is behind, like, Dottie or whatever is, like, the the villain will be a pretty clearly negative character. But then, like, the other townspeople, are they in on it? Or are they not? Are they victims of Wanda? Or are they in league with the bad guy? Sword? I think it's real easy to see Sword as the good guys, partially because we know that Rambo is Monica Rambo, but like Wanda does not perceive them as good guys, and there's a certain ominousness to Sword. And so, is Sword good here, or are they ambivalent? Are they like Fury and Shield, where you can't really trust them to do the right thing? And then Wanda herself, we don't really know if she's going to end up being the hero of this or being an antagonist of this, like. To me, the ambiguity around who everybody is and who they're aligned with and what their ultimate purposes are, it does lead to this unsettling thing of we just don't know who to trust totally. And I think that's kind of fun. Um, I'm really interested to see how Jimmy Woo and and Darcy play into it because they're both goofy characters and it's kind of hard to hate. But, like, will they put some kind of menace into what they're doing? Or I just, I love those shades of gray that I feel like are being played out. Yeah. Right, right, right. 
I did want to ask, um, it seemed like the commercial this week was pretty clearly like a shield callback and not to like early shield either, but like middle of the run shield with the Hydra soap. I also realized this week because people tweeted about it, that there's like three former agents of shield actors who are like minor characters, but they're in the background of WandaVision. Do you guys think that Feige's really like legitimizing Agents of Shield with this show? So there's uh it might have been Frosty that asked him about if uh he didn't ask flat out if the shows were canon, but if he was referencing all the shows that came before it and Feige said any Marvel stuff that's ever been made's free game, which is kind of uh Feige non-answer but if you're gonna mess with stuff I mean WandaVision and Doctor Strange 2 and Spider-Man 3 are the the places with to mess with that stuff you know right I mean I, I always compare Marvel television to DC but I mean it makes sense to have like a multiverse or something to just make everything canon and settle the the continuity debates and and questions like that right uh, I, I don't think I mean, we're not talking like Quake or Coulson or um, I forgot where I was going. Um, like the big names on Shield, um, but I don't. You think they would take? We we've seen this before, haven't we? Or like uh, what's his name? Who's in Avengers? Sousa. Yeah, yeah, we saw Sousa in Avengers. Yeah. Well, no. So I get that if we it was the, one yeah, of yeah. them, if it was one of them, I get it. It starts to get a little weird when it's three of them. I mean, there's a lot of actors in Hollywood. It's kind of but weird the guy, yeah, have. but the guy who played Norm was in what one Shield episode, maybe a couple Shield episodes with the Deathlock stuff. I don't know, maybe. I mean, it, it would be incredible, and I know a lot of people would. Uh, be very upset Kevin Feige is legitimizing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know. I kind of want to see it just to make them so upset. Right. There's just this inherent, like, hatred for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's like, how's it hurt you if S.H.I.E.L.D. or Iron Fist or Daredevil's canon? You know, it's just like, whatever. But um, it did raise a question because I'm pretty sure Marvel Entertainment's commandeered the... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. social media profiles now. Like, you know how they've done with Thor and Captain America and such, where they flipped them over to um, just general character posts? Like, they'll post comic updates and movie updates and whatever. Now they posted these Hero Reborn yeah. teasers to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. account. So either Marvel has future plans for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. brand on comics or movies or what, but they're not giving the Twitter up for now. I mean, who would they give the Twitter up to, though? Just not tweet from it. I don't know. I mean, it has a million followers, so it makes sense to tweet from it. Yeah, I mean, you have a Twitter account with a million followers. You're going to use it for whatever you have right now. Well, and I think that's generally just a thing where Marvel is increasingly integrating their business, which is partially because of Feige, where their TV business and their movie business and their comic business, instead of being seen as silos from each other, are increasingly seen as, you know, interconnected stuff. Right. It's just bonkers because this time last year, or 
the year before, you know, there was no generic Captain America Facebook page. Like, you couldn't go like Captain America. It was just the movie stuff. You know, so it makes sense why why they moved all that stuff over with the official stuff. All right, so we told uh, listeners last week that we wanted to uh, interact with them some on the show, and so we got some tweets that I thought we could go through. Uh-oh. Uh, Alex Dunn, at Axel of the Key. Uh, basic theories... Uh, he was talking about commercials and how they seem to be referencing all the big moments in Wanda's life. So Alex's prediction is that we will see future commercials that will feature Ultron, uh, Sokovia and or Pietro's death, and the explosion in Laos. Uh, uh, Leia. That's not Laos. I'm not sure if that's uh, Lagos. Lagos. That was uh, Alex's mistype and I just went with it. Lagos uh, from Captain America Civil War. Uh, also, uh, definitely sure that Wanda is dragging real people into her illusion world. Uh, Geraldine and other agents, swords, sword agents are trying to reach her. Wanda has control, but it's unlikely, uh, unaware of that element to keep her oblivious as so she can do whatever the villain wants. Um, future watching in Tennessee at C. Sanders 70. I think the focus on rabbits because of the magic trick was yet another reference to procreation. Marvel also has trained so well uh, that I sat there and watched for and felt like 30 minutes of credits waiting for something afterwards. It is interesting that there's no, because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. always did a tag on every episode to kind of do the Marvel thing. So it's been interesting they haven't done a tag here. Um, But I like that rabbit thing. I also read this week that the rabbit is like Senior Scratchy. And in some cultures, that's a term for Satan is Mr. Scratch. So, like, that might be another Mephisto clue. So I thought that was interesting. I mean, I I totally want Mephisto. It just seems weird. The first ever Disney Plus show. They're like, hey, here's the devil. Um, What Alex said something I wanted to touch on, but I can't remember what now. Was it, uh, sorry, was it the uh, the commercials or the Oh, the, the commercials. That is the perfect way to bring James Spader back, is to have him pop up just as a human in an oh, Ultron yeah. commercial. Just one afternoon in a soundstage, it's the perfect setup. And I'm almost disappointed if they don't do that. They could do it for, like, a movie trailer for what would have been a Spader movie at the height of Spader's career, right? right. Like, yeah. It would be so perfect. It'd be, it'd be awesome. It'd be, it'd be a way to bring back Ultron in a sense. Um, Ooh, they could even play on the Disney where it'd be like Disney's live action version of Pinocchio. And then it's just him. <gasps> there are no strings on me. And that'd they could like amazing. do Disney branding as well. That's uh but so that's the other thing. I think, I'm not sure if you guys want to talk like leaks or anything, but there's a prevailing leak or theory that since Miss Marvel's rebooting the Inhumans, they're at, the one of Roger Wardle's tweets. Did you see that? Where they're making the ABC Inhuman show into a television show within the MCU. Whoa! Wait, that would make. But the stuff we were talking about the actors. That would make total sense that Wanda has been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that's why some of those actors are in her reality because she's putting it in from her TV watching. Together much quicker. I I hadn't thought about that. But so that's the prevailing theory, or not the theory, but Wardell tweeted one of those things. I mean, he did Fat Thor and all that stuff. I think it was the same 
Roger Wardell. Maybe as an imposter. No, this account did the what they called their magician thing, something an illusion. Um, they tweeted that out in December. Um, okay. So, I mean, that's enough clout for me. But I mean, just something like that, having like Ultron, like Spader play Ultron, but be super meta with it. You know, I just think it's going to be hilarious that they reference Inhumans the show also as a show within the MCU. It's the perfect thing to do to it. Matt Turner at Matt Turner Toad uh, was just commenting: Is it just me, or is it weird that no one in WandaVision thinks it's strange that Vision is called Vision? And <laughs> right. I do like to me that is an underrated thing of like it adds a layer layer of weirdness every time they say Vision. Like in your mind, you go, "That's not right," but they just play it like it is. But it he's self-aware to change into Vic Shade or his human form, which doesn't right. Why not just remain the robot if they're all right with you? For some reason, it sits better with me when they say Mr. Vision. It works right. better as a Mr. Vision than just Vision. Yeah, I also noticed this last week, I think this is intentional, the laugh tracks are becoming more and more frequent and inappropriate. Yes. As if, like, Wanda's pushing the button on the laugh track to, like, distract Vision from the fact that it doesn't make sense where he lives. Definitely. Um, Matt Turner Toad also said, also to those hating Disney, uh, to those people who fanboys that like to hate Disney, uh, and say it's too vanilla. What are you saying now? WandaVision is far from formula, formula, formulamatic as it comes. And I think he's right. Like, this is a weird show for Disney plus. This would be a weird show for anybody else. Um, I mean, to me, Legion is the only other show that would, like, approach it as far as the oddness of its Let's genre. see what they do. I mean, and that's the thing. People are already saying WandaVision is the best Marvel TV show ever made. You know, let's get through WandaVision. Let's see what they do with the other TV shows um, before, you know, we, we say that they're um, life-changing things. You know, I mean, we, we've talked about Falcon and Winter Soldier. I mean, that looks like a shoot 'em up action movie, you know, and we're heading right into that and almost next month, um, like six weeks or so, you know, so let's, let's see. Also, Matt, stop tweeting me bad things about Iron Fist, please. <laughs> Every time I tweet Iron Fist hopes and goals and dreams, Matt's like, shut up, Adam, stop it. <laughs> Um. Aww. All right, that's all the stuff we have for Wandavision. But I, I'll go ahead and transition into mailbag because we had a few other things that were sent in. A lot of people wanted to talk about Captain America and Chris Evans coming back. I uh, got a tweet from uh, Oh Alvin, our theme music extraordinaire man. Um, uh, he's excited about Chris Evans, but he agrees with the things that we said. He'd like to see adventures after he decided to stay with Peggy so they could clarify, like, are there two Steve Rogers in that world? Is there another one sitting in the ice still? Does he let him stay in the ice? Like, uh, he would be interested in following that rabbit hole. And similarly, Dave on the website um, talked about how Peggy Carter has already name-dropped Brian Braddock in Endgame, so he'd love... To see um, Evans and Atwell come back for a show that launches a Captain Britain story, and given Captain Britain's connected Captain Britain's connection to Weird World, I think or Other World, I always forget which is which. Anyway, 
Um, that could be, I think, really interesting and do more multiversal stuff. Uh, also, a show talking about um, him trying to like deal with the stones and overcome guilt over what happened to Nat uh, on Vormir could be interesting. Um, so, uh, yep. And then uh, Love Waffle is still with us. And he's saying they're bringing back Chris Evans to replace Stan Lee cameos. Uh, and so every movie will have an appearance from Old Man Cap. Which, if that's actually what they're doing, I kind of I kind of like that. I don't know. I could be there for it. Chris Evans in every Marvel movie for 30 seconds. Could be fun. Right. Though, he wouldn't be an anonymous person in that universe. You know? I mean, neither would Deadpool, which was my vote. But old man cap would be a little more conspicuous in that universe except for within the main continuity he left as a young man and so people might not figure out like if anything they'd be like oh look there's joe biden on the bus right like i don't know if that universe knows what old man cap looks like yeah but there would be no reason for him to be a fedex delivery guy or I don't know. I'm never thinking this too much. I think it would be cool if he popped up. Yeah. Let's go with that. Well, if Stan was working for the Watchers, what if during Cap's adventures to return the Soul Stones, the Watchers recruited him to keep doing Stan's job? Ooh. There we go. Original Sin, starring Chris Evans. (laughs) Cap is the man on the wall. The man on the wall. Yep. Is so we're talking multiversal. Multiversal doesn't mean crossing timelines, right? I or think it's going it? to be whatever the heck they want it want to it be. To be. If, if you wanted logic to pervade your universe, I just think we're going to have to let some of that stuff go. <laughs> Excellent. Um, we love all the mail guys. Enjoy talking about fan theories and all that kind of stuff. So keep it coming. We'd love for you to tweet us after uh, during listening to the show. Tell us what you think is going to happen in WandaVision. Um, we didn't even get to, like, I still want to know why there's all the hexagons. If it's AIM or if it's a B thing or if it's six-sided. So it's supposed to be Mephisto, right? Like, I was thinking about in the Brady Bunch thing where they had the three hexagons across the top. That it's six-sided figure, six-sided figure. Six, like, at this point, I'm just going all kinds of conspiracy theories, so... Let us know what you guys are thinking and share it with us uh, on the webpage, on Twitter. Uh, we love the interaction. It's a lot of fun doing a week-to-week show and we can talk to you guys about it. So, uh, Thanks to Alvin for our theme music. Thanks to Tim Cox for our logo. Uh, you can find Alvin on a lot of social media at The Skull School and Tim is at Tim V. Cox on Instagram. And thanks for listening. Thanks to our patrons. We really appreciate you guys. As a reminder of our schedule, we are doing these live at 10 a.m. Eastern on Saturdays. And that is available to patrons at $5 and above in a secret Facebook group. Uh, If you're a patron of any level, you'll see that video later on in the day, but not live. And then we release the episodes on Sunday afternoons. So thanks for listening to the show, and we'll see you guys later.